Hey, hey, sex fans, welcome back. Today is Wednesday, September 3rd, 2014, and you are lucky enough to be listening to the podcast edition of Dr. Dick's Sex Advice with an Edge. And I'm your host, that savagely scintillating sexologist, Dr. Dick. I have an important announcement before we begin. We are coming to the end of an era. This week and next marks the end of my career as a podcaster. I'm just a couple of months short of my eighth anniversary of podcasting, and I've decided that enough is enough. The truth is, I have a bunch of other projects that I want to spend some time on, and I only have so much time to allocate. Thus, something had to give. I'm exceptionally proud of the quality programming that I've brought to you, my international audience. Over the last seven plus years, I've presented a variety of extraordinarily informative, enriching, and entertaining shows. Interesting interviews, enlightening Q&A, and even some fun adult product reviews. And I'm happy to report that all of my podcasts are archived here on my site, drdicksexadvice.com, and will remain so for the foreseeable future. So I hope that you will visit often. Alrighty then, I want to go out with a bang, so to speak. So I'd like to introduce you to a remarkable woman who is just beginning her career in the field of human sexuality. And as you probably can guess... This is the Sex Wisdom Show. This series has generally involved chats with learned colleagues well-established in their field, but every now and again I had a hankering to check in with those people who are just starting out in the field. I tell you, it reassures me no end to know that brilliant young folks are picking up the sex-positive banner and carrying it forward, and I am delighted to welcome one such person to my show today. I am delighted to introduce to you my good friend, colleague, and real-life neighbor, Katie Querna. Katie invites you to visit her on her site, katiequerna.wibley.com. And, before we begin, a word from our sponsor, Dr. Dick's How-To Video Library. You know, even though I get tons of email from folks looking for my advice, I can only respond to a limited number of inquiries at any given time. But that doesn't mean that I don't care about everyone who writes in. I do. That's why I've set up the How-To Video Library. You'll find a link to this great resource right there on the front page of drdicksexadvice.com. Look for the Video Library tab in the header. The video library is the go-to place for all of you who have sexual performance questions. You'll be able to watch all kinds of deliciously entertaining, delightfully enriching, and oh-so-informative videos right from the comfort of your own home. (laughs) How fun is that? Okay, on with the show. Welcome, Katie, and thank you for schlepping on by DrDickSexAdvice.com. It's a pleasure having you, so to speak. How does it feel being had? (laughs) you're an old perv and it feels great (laughs) yes I am and thanks for the recognition (laughs) so now that you're here would you like to say hello to all the really nice people yeah thanks so much for having me on and um, hello listeners so um, Catherine um, I think we should fully disclose to our audience the nature of our relationship oughtn't we I mean it's only right uh, will you want to tell them, or should I? 
<laughs> you can go ahead. Well, I'll go. Go ahead. I'll say. Um, Richard's adorable, if anybody's ever seen him in person. And he was, like, adorable times two with his dog, Ginger. And so we used to be neighbors, actually. It's not nearly as delicious as uh, one could make up. So anyways, you would always walk by with Ginger and I make my day, like absolutely make my day. You were such a perfect pair. And so I would just visit with you and I don't even know, something came up one day where I said something about sex, <laughs> you know, typical. <laughs> and then uh, you pulled out your business card and I was just like, shut the front door. Like we need to be best friends. And then, you know, the rest is history. That's so true. And you forgot to mention the fact that um, you're in this athletic class. You were running and running or biking and biking or jumping jacks, jumping jacks, oh, or doing something. That's true. <laughs> I am an adult with an eight-year-old level of energy. <laughs> and uh, and so I guess we're not going to mention the love child then, huh? Yeah, keep it, keep it low. <laughs> I already said ginger. Oh, right. <laughs> Okay. So most of the people I interview for this show live far away, so my guest and I never actually get to meet. I am so delighted that I have this opportunity to in introduce a friend, a colleague, and a neighbor uh, to all the sex fans in our audience. So despite the fact that uh, we know each other and have taken long walks together and walk dogs together, and that you have invited me to present at one of your classes. I really don't know all that much about you personally, or professionally for that matter. I know that you have been associated with Columbia uh, University School of Social Work and the University of Washington School of Social Work, and that you just completed your PhD. Do I have that correct? Um, you know, I'm still, it is a long road, so I'm still working on my PhD. I just finished my um, second quarter or pardon me, second year uh, at the School of Social Work at UW, and I study gender and sexuality stuff, which is where our connection comes in. Right. But yeah, so I got my master's in social work at Columbia, um, uh, and then, yeah, and then uh, and then wanted to delay the inevitable as long <laughs> as possible, and so actually got on my bike with my little sister, and we moved, I moved to Seattle on my bike um, with her, I don't think you knew that. But, no, uh, I didn't. Yeah, so, um, and then, you know, duped somebody into hiring me uh, in, in 2008 and worked in HIV for a long time. Is that doing right? Yeah, yeah. So I worked at Lifelong AIDS Alliance, which, shout out, is a wonderful organization. Right. And um, worked there and taught at community college, taught public health classes, AIDS, HIV and AIDS classes, and then also uh, the class that you came to, which I did not name, is a, um, a sex and internet and romance addiction class at Bellevue College. How to be one. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's more of a how-to workshop. Um, so anyways, I worked in HIV for a while, and uh, doing client work, I speak Spanish, so I was hired to do... Um, work with Spanish-speaking folks in treatment adherence, and so did that for a few years and um, worked on policy for a few years and taught at community college, and then uh, you pulled the wool over somebody else's eyes and got into the PhD program at the University of Washington School of Social Work, which is a wonderful institution, and I'm, I am incredibly lucky to be there, and uh, yeah, just 
uh, I was interested in HIV, but I'm also just interested in um, sexuality generally and non-pathologizing of sex, and that doesn't happen a lot, obviously, in the HIV world. I mean, for very right. clear and important right. reasons, right. it's right. important from a public health perspective, but also that sex can also be a variety of things, and it doesn't uh, necessarily have to be totally pathologized, particularly for the... I was working with primarily gay men, and so particularly for gay men, sex has never been a safe space to talk about in public because it's kind of always been pathologized particularly since the AIDS crisis and so so yeah that's um, what I get to do now is think a little bit more positively about um, sex and sexuality and human relationships I love it and you know um, whenever I invite somebody to be my guest on my show I do a lot of background kind of stuff and um, part of that is you know visiting websites or doing Google searches and I did the exact same thing for you and you know what came up the abstract <laughs> for a paper totally. for a paper that you write wrote called um, designer vaginas it's true. It's true. And the abstract read, in part, the goal of creating the idealized female form is neither new nor novel. Women have been altering their bodies for centuries. However, the focus recently has come into the vagina, the most culturally uh, value-laden of anatomical parts. This paper seeks to explore how historical representations and contemporary perceptions of the vagina have shaped attitudes toward female genitalia and why society has perpetuated the objectified, idealized female image and imposed that falsification on the vagina. Holy cow, that's a mouthful. Freak. So let's <laughs> Did you write all those words together? I know, if you can believe it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about that some. Since women have been altering their bodies for centuries, why is the attention now being paid by some women to their vaginas different from the body image alterations that have preceded it? Um, that's a good question. Do you think... It, of course talk it is more a about good the body question. Image I thought it up in myself. There you go. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> Tell me more. What are you thinking about? More um, like body modification, like uh, like plastic surgery, liposuction, facelifts, things like that. Or tell yes, me more. Well, you know, uh, um, whatever. I mean, the, why is it different? Is it different in kind, or is it different in degree in terms of you know a, a focus on the vulva as opposed to you know tits or face or anything yeah. else? Um, I think it is. For several reasons, but a, but a really important and pernicious one to me is that um, it's the vagina is very symbolic of female sexuality, right. and and also as a totally unapologetic feminist, which feminism is also for men, <laughs> BTW, uh, it's, um, it's a stance in the world. But anyways, I I think that um, shaming body shaming and sexuality shaming for women historically has been particularly right. problematic. Right. And I think what is especially pernicious about like labioplasty or clitorectomies yes. is the um, perceived benevolence by which it started. So first of all, I just want to say if anybody chooses to do anything with their body, awesome. I am the last person that is going to judge you. If that is what you want for yourself, awesome. As an I think, adult. As an adult, sure. 
Um, and even as a younger person, if that's cool with the people that are important to you in your life, then great. I think it has sort of, I think that uh, a lot of vaginal reconstructive surgeries um, have been sort of, women have been sold a bill of goods yes. that it's for medical reasons. Yes. And, um, and I think it has a particularly racist and sexist history yes. by which um, there's a, a man named Isaac Baker Brown and in the like mid 1800s he started doing a bunch of clitorectomies on surprise black women uh, and, and essentially as guinea pigs because obviously black folks historically have been undervalued and totally discriminated against and that's an entirely different show and there was no IRBs back in his time and so and he also at, was kind of like selling this as like oh you know because black women have a bunch of kids so I'm going to try to help him out with these clitorectomies yes, right, right, right. and it really um, I mean first of all was like uh, totally uh, like new surgeries and so there was a lot of physical damage but also clearly a lot of emotional damage when somebody's just like I'm going to do this procedure on you without your consent and without any knowledge of what it's going to do to you and women had a lot of uh, nerve damage actually continue to have a lot of nerve damage yes. and so I think when you like sell this as like either um, you're going to look so much better which is some of it and also like oh your sex is going to be so much better or um, you're going to there's going to be these like these benefits to you there is that for some people for sure and again I don't want to diminish that and there are really people with like abnormally large labia that really do impact their life and so there certainly is a place for it but I think to do it for um you know it's sold as like because you'll get so much more pleasure out of sex and things like that and really like and boys will all, like you better yeah people will like and your and your husband will like you better or your partner and BTW, you know, having sex with you is like a hot dog in a hallway, right. and so you need to tighten that. <laughs> and that is so diminishing. It's just another way yeah. to tell women that something about them is not okay, particularly something about their body. And they need to change it really so that, again, quote unquote, their sexual lives are going to be better, but really, um, in theory, really, so that they're going to be, their vagina is going to be tighter so that their sex will be better for their male presumably right. male partners because right. it's obviously totally heteronormative right. too right. exactly you keep using the word pernicious and that is a word that i absolutely love it's the perfect word for what we're talking about not only does it mean malevolent but it also means persistent hardcore malevolence and you know this is as you suggest this is something that has been going on for centuries and um women have been on the short end of that stick all this time and continue to be um, and men are de determining what is what is attractive what is um, what is for their benefit and all of this kind of stuff and uh, they rarely get to weigh in I'm guessing right yeah I mean Isaac Baker right it is he started doing these which was again like the early vaginal cosmetic surgeries in the time of like you know, hysteria and epilepsy right, right. and, oh, my God, masturbation. Yes. And so yes. we need to solve these problems. And so he he said, well, these surgeries will, quote, unquote, cure right. these problems. And so, which is really just, I mean, he's just a product of this larger ideology that has, that preceded him and, you know, continues to perpetuate of, like, you 
women and their bodies are gross, and we men need to do something about this. <laughs> um, and God forbid anybody ever actually be expressive sexually, particularly women, where it's, again, like very Victorian ideals of like demurity and control and submissiveness. Um, so, you know, he wasn't a terrible person, but just very clearly a product of this historical time that, right. that obviously continues to, right. that, that idea about women's sexuality continues right. to perpetuate. It's amazing. It, it, it really is. Uh, some people become addicted, and I use that word in quotes, uh, to plastic surgery. Do you suppose that such folks are trying to fix something on the outside when the problem really lies on the inside? I mean, I think that's, I, I, I feel like that's a bit essentializing because uh -huh. I think that, um, and I think that ever people, this conversation is a really important one to have, but I, no, I mean, I think some people do have some insecurities and I think some people don't like some of my best friends have had plastic surgery and their lives, like it has helped them in their life. They feel better about their bodies, but it also hasn't been this hugely transformative thing. They were just like, you know, I wanted bigger breasts and now I have them and my life looks exactly the same. And so only with bigger breasts, only with bigger breasts and they love their boobs. <laughs> yes. And that's and great. Like, you know, so I do, think, one, and I, one, and I, I don't want to pathologize that. Right. I, I don't want to pathologize like people seeking plastic surgery as right. like, Oh, there must be something deeper wrong with you. But, like but somebody who I does, you know, who involves themselves in this, uh, in these procedures, you know, over and over again. I mean, one boob job or one nose job or one any kind of job, it is, you know, is one thing. It's another thing if you do it over and over again. Um, but yeah, you know. yeah, I think yeah, and I don't know where that. I think that's just so um, people's own like space yeah. to figure right. that out. I right. mean, I am like super into things that people would call very woo-woo, like a lot of self-compassion practices. Yeah. And so maybe if I had someone close in my life that continued to sort of like, I don't know, some of that idea can be born of like this, I'm not enough and this yeah. is not enough and I, um, I'm not okay. And so if that's then, and, and it manifests in plastic surgery possibly, and so if I felt like there was somebody close to me where that was the case for them, like I, I might think more about like where, like where is this coming from? I mean, Christ, I did used to be a therapist for God's sake, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I also think those practices are great for anybody, whether right. or not you right. struggle with feeling um, okay in your own skin, but. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where that is for people. I don't know anybody. I've never, I've not experienced um, that level of like using plastic surgery. I've certainly experienced that idea of like I am not enough and I am not okay, and right. for myself and a lot of people in my life to be particularly vulnerable here. Right. Um, but, but I had not in the manifesting in in a lot of plastic surgery. Right. Okay, let's talk about uh, sensuality, sexuality, and intimacy. Uh, lots of people get all these things muddled up in their head, and I am of the mind that each of these very important things is different. What's your take on that? Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Well, tell me more about how what you, what you think the differences are, because I'm interested. Well, um, sensuality, um, it, it seems, is anything that is body-related. 
um, sexuality may or may not have lots to do with genitalia. It may have to do with you know a person's understanding of who they are in relationship to other people, and intimacy um, may or may not involve genitals, but it certainly involves being close to other people. So, um, and and some people, it seems to me, and I see this in my practice from time to time that. Um, you know, I, I want to be sensual, I want to be sexual, and I want to be intimate with only one person, or uh, um, this one person has to be all those things for me, and, it, um, you know, things get all balled up. Yeah. You, uh, for, first of all, I totally, um, I totally agree with your the ways that you described sensuality, sexuality, and intimacy. Like, I think that sensuality can can feel like an intimidating word for yes. people. I think all three of them feel yes. really intimidating, and they're certainly very like value laden. And I'd be curious too if you feel like they have very either different meanings or different sort of like threat levels with. Um, like for example, in heterosexual couples, men versus women. I do think that. Um, yeah. I, um, I, I think, like for men, for example, we're it's okay for us to be sensual. I mean, it's okay for us to be sexual, but sensuality, you know, that's a girly thing, you know, or something. Right. Um, oh, as well as intimacy. Yes, too. exactly. You're certainly not allowed that, intimacy with anybody right. other than your female partner. Right. And you know, and. Um, sexually exclusive monogamous couples, you know, they get it in their heads that there's only one outlet, and that is that person lying next to them in the bed. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, well, we can be intimate with lots of people. Um, we can be sensual with lots of people. Um, we can even sometimes be sexual with lots of people, and without it being um, an intrusion into sexual exclusivity, it doesn't seem to me. Totally, absolutely, and I think that's just, you know that's so um, it that's so powerful that you said like you know the only essentially appropriate space for men to feel like they can be any of those things is all wrapped up in this one person, which a is a lot of expectations, right? So disappointing, <laughs> and and b just is so limiting. I mean, like it's so precious. So some of my research is around masculinity and like what a precious thing to be able to have other male relationships that yes. you feel like you can have intimacy right. with and yet we totally have like feminized those words that yes. like sensuality and BTW anything feminized is something to run far far away from particularly if you identify as a heterosexual male exactly and that. it's just so such a bummer because I for all of like the diminishing of my personhood that happens as a woman at least I have the ability to without social sanctions have meaningful substantive relationships whereas like I I this is a bigger struggle for men and it particularly is. men who identify as straight I think which again it's like we do live the ocean that we swim in is this total like heteronormative ocean and so it's just assumed that those are like the most you know on the top of the hierarchy is these male dominated attributes like being assertive and aggressive and dominating and you know dog eat dog and that sort of it's too bad a that those are the things that we must value and that, that like more 
feminine quote unquote attributes are less valued, but also just that if we all kind of, if those are the coolest things to be and we all are striving for that, then we really do limit the way that we can engage both with ourselves. Like you, it's harder to be kind to yourself when you're you like the primacy of aggression is always in your mind Exactly. and to have relationships with other people exactly. and that they don't if, have to be about sex. Right. Like, and if, if all of it is, you know, aggressive based then or competitive, then you know all of our you know sexual expression with other people, um, both our own gender and um, or our intimate connections with other people, both our genders, same gender and other gender, uh, are 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 going to look like that. It's aggressive as opposed to you know right. loving or caring or any of those other things again that are girly stuff and men men suffer from that they suffer from it over and over and over again i mean i I think a good portion of the problems in the world um you know stem from the fact that we don't know how to do other than that yeah absolutely and even and um you know even talking about sensuality and uh, like having Sensuality, I perceive sort of also as like these very, um, sensuality can happen on your own too, like, like these very, like the senses, like the, like, like bodily senses, you know, like touching and feeling and a bath can be really sensual and it can have nothing to do or tasting an awesome popsicle or whatever you're experiencing and it's too bad that also those like very pleasurable sensation based experiences are also then limited when A when you perceive sensuality in this really narrow sexual scope and also feelings based and sensation based pleasures aren't necessarily something that we value in our society and or like you know feelings feelings are female and also not moving from your head like i mean i'm in the academy right now and so sensation based um experiences like those are very easily discounted because that's not you know intuition and um, sensation and perception that's not quote unquote science and so it's much more valid and i think socially i'm generalizing clearly but it's much more valid to move from these brain-based intellectualized ways of moving through the world which really robs you of just a ton of pleasure because and you're gut not feelings. able to connect yeah and just good feel and again not sexual pleasure just right. good feelings right. of like with with your own body and then relationships with other people which is like so such a bummer and I mean I have spent a lot of good money and time on therapy trying (laughs) trying to get back to experiencing myself in my own skin because it's a my experience is it's a pretty joyless existence if you're constantly moving through your life yeah, and it, and, it, it, and if, if you're if you're only um, you know at the academy or in science, if you're only um, exercising those you know rational scientific um, muscles, um, what becomes of all those other m- muscles that we have as human beings that help us navigate the world? I mean, do they atrophy? Um, right. Because we discount them. 
Right. I mean, there's just so many other ways, you know, just like the absolute, um, you know, positivist Western science is really, really limiting. It does not acknowledge any other ways of being or knowing or moving in the world. I mean, this is this is a very white person way to exactly. move in the world. Exactly and so that. completely discounting you know, indigenous ways of knowing and um, quote-unquote non-industrialized way, more like cultural yes. cultural ways of knowing. Um, but we've said, uh, again, this is like <laughs> racism isn't over because we have a half-black president. We don't value those other things right. um, societally, but, uh, but also in academic institutions, or largely in academic institutions, I think more are paying close attention to that and valuing it. Um, but science is, again, it's the ocean that we swim in, and so it's not like people in, a, in the academy or at academic institutions or even at the University of Washington are, are immune to, um, to those influences. I mean, science calls this bias. <laughs> bias is this thing to be avoided and right. bias is actually you can also say yes it's a really important to acknowledge your own stuff and how that is implicated in your work and also we're human right. and so like we live in this world and we're all in science it's really important I think as a researcher to do responsible work you have to like know your own shit and like own that and then People can, and and intuitive ways of knowing and narratives are not invalid. Those are actually just alternative ways of knowing from like survey-based, you know, randomized controlled trial, gold <laughs> standard medical research, which again is really valuable and it's wonderful. And I don't want to discount that, but it's we we get that and yes. uh, and there's it's all the eggs in one basket. It right, seems, right, yeah. and it, it does discount these other. Um, I mean, it's it's sort of culturally incompetent to say that that's the only way of Besides doing. Besides, you know, it it provides it provides um, meaning to the stuff that we learn in the scientific method. It you know it gives a context. It, it right. To me. Listen, um, I uh, hate to interrupt, but we're, we're running out of time. In fact, we're overtime um, because we're having such a good conversation um, and I have lots more to talk to you about like pages and pages of questions um, any chance you could come back next week and chat some more absolutely not hated it <laughs> I'd love okay. to okay <laughs> thank you, you know, for I was, having me I'll, I, I was going to beg I was going to beg so, um, no need. Before you go, um, I don't suppose you have a website that you can turn us on to yet. I do. It's in the works. Okay, it's uh, it's katiecorna.weebly.com. So it's hosted by Weebly, um, and it's sort of a constant work in progress. This is technology is not my strong suit, but it's <laughs> been fun actually creating this so. because it's your it's a girl thing. You know, so there it is. Right. Oh God, uh, where's a man? To <laughs> Darling, it's a pleasure as always. Um, and until next week, we will be looking for you um, in cyberspace. Great. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Bye bye. What a delightful show. Well, that's it for today, sex fans. Tune in next week at this same time for part two of my chat with Katie, and more sex advice with an edge with your host. 
me, Dr. Dick. Again, this week's podcast sponsor is Dr. Dick's How-To Video Library. Listen up, buckaroos. Thanks to this amazing technology, you'll be able to watch your choice of smut from the comfort of your own home. With just a little prompting from you, they're going to come gushing out of your computer like nobody's business. Check it out. You'll find a link to this fabulous sex resource right there on the front page of drdicksexadvice.com. Look for the tab that reads video on demand. There is no membership fee. This is a pay-for-minute sort of deal so that your pay-for-view minutes allow you to watch whatever content you would like for whatever length of time you choose. Pretty gal darn sweet, huh? <laughs> so, until next time, remember, sex is good. And good sex? Well, that's even better. Over and out.